For example, Bullock, you were going to say. For example, Billam, not Bullock, Billam. Billam, Billam is a mystery to us. We are sort of like all trained in the manner of the Rambam. The Rambam said that the word prophet, the name prophet or prophet's body, theoretically, I mean, most people are busy, but in theory, in theory, everybody could be a prophet. Everybody could gain prophecy. In order to gain prophecy, the Rambam says, in the seventh parrot, well known, everybody has, you have to achieve a kind of perfection that is available to all of us. All we have to do is study all of the Torah, and then we have to develop very fine uh, character traits, and be strong-willed and strong-minded. All of that goes into uh, the necessary prerequisite requirements of being a prophet. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu can bestow upon you prophecy. But even if you don't get to be a registered prophet, I guess it's worth it. It's worth the effort, right, to, to get to the point where you might be a prophet. Now, all of this makes sense to us, even though we don't do it. But still, it makes sense that somehow Torah should be connected to spiritual achievement. Now, of course, you know, everybody can, can factor that out in the way they wish. But it makes sense somehow that learning Torah will aid and abet spiritual development and achievement. So the idea that there's a goy who doesn't have the Torah, who doesn't have any of this achievement orientation potential, the idea that he's a prophet could be a little bit annoying. He says, how come? How could be annoying? Chazal, you know, said this rather remarkable thing. Chazal said that the Goyim came to Kodesh Bofu and sort of said, the whole problem with us is that we don't have any prophets. If we would have prophets like the Jews have prophets, then we would be super spiritual achievers. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to them, okay, we'll give you a prophet. And his name is Bilal, who is kind of a, this idea, this idea that if the if Goyim are going to fail, they're going to fail on an equal, on a level playing field. And the level playing field's name was Bilam. He was the person who was going to create this level. Who's that the exist? Chazal. This is a, a medrash. This is a medrash. <coughs> Rashi also quotes it. So, so again, again, that's the first problem. The first problem is a general problem. Like, where's Bilam? Who's Bilam? But the more precise problem is the fact that Bilam uh, is approached by Balak to curse the Jews, whatever that means. I mean, all these words that the Torah uses, uh, halavai, we knew what they meant, right? But we don't. And there's really, they're really not so accessible. So that itself is a medrash. Just saying what the words mean is a, is a medrash because you usually can't prove it. You can only kind of intuit it. So the story of Bilam contains two parts that are very, very strange. In the first part, as we'll see in a moment, in the first part, Bilam says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, can I go with them? 
And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says no. In the second part, uh, Bilam says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, can I go with them? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says yes. Now this is totally beyond of any, any other kind of comprehension at all. It's hard, <coughs> it's hard to imagine and certainly even harder to understand. Finally, I would like to point out that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to give a prophecy that B'nai Yisrael would become aware of some sort of a blessing like Matovu Ohalecha Yisrael. Right? Matovu Ohalecha. That's a good thing. Why is that prophecy brought into our world through Bilam? Why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu say that? Why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu be the prophet who brought the positive prophecy in the world. What, pray, do we need Bilam for? I mean, what has Bilam got to do with this? So I would like to start on the second page. If you look at the second page, I'd like to just, uh, again, the Tupsukim in, in the Dvarim, in the parasha of Shoftim, the word tamim is a very important word. It means whole, unblemished, without a scar. That's what tamim means. In the context of this pasuk, it's not perfectly clear. Tamim, you should be tamim in Hashem Elokecha. Right, Rashi says, Hitalech. You should go with God in the Tamim manner. And wait for or yearn for God. Don't try to figure out what's going to happen in the future. But whatever happens to you in the future, Kabel. Bitmimut, kabel bitmimut, accepted with perfection. In, in, in other words, don't try to second guess. Don't try to figure out what's going to be. But accept whatever happens, bitmimut. Vaaz tiye imo, right? That's tiye im Hashem That's a, a description of being with God, and part of his portion. It was tamim, is about accepting the future and not trying to affect it. The second pasuk says, all these other, uh, these uh, nations, the people of these nations, which you are going to inherit from them, the Canaanites, El Meonenim El Kosmim Yishma'u. Meonenim and Kosmim are words that describe magicians. I guess we would call them magicians. And God did not give this to you. Uh, what does it mean? Rashi. God did not give this to you. What did God not give to you? Lishma el ma'onenim ve'el kosmim. 
You're not supposed to go to listen to these magicians. Shaharei so here you have it. We have prophets and they have prophets. Our prophets are called Nevi'im and Urim Bitumim. Urim Bitumim are the, the stones on the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, which were also a source of information about the future. Uh, uh, about the future. So the second pasuk actually contradicts the first pasuk that we read here. The first pasuk said, don't be interested in the future. Don't try to find out what's going to happen. But we know that the Urim Tumim were used when the king was supposed to make a decision about going to war. Go to war? Will it be successful? Should I do it? Take a look at the Urim Tumim. So that <coughs> it sounds like Goyim, <coughs> the nations of the world, they have Ma'oninim and Kosmin, they have magicians. And we have, we have Urim Vitumim and Nevi'im. But the Urim Vitumim and the Nevi'im can also tell me about the future. So what's the difference? What is the difference? Well, maybe the difference is that with the Kosmin, and the and the ma'oninim, uh, you actually you, what you really want to do is affect the future. You want to change it. Whereas the urim v'tumim will just tell you should you go to war or shouldn't you go to war. Will it be successful or won't it be successful? But you can't use them. Could be, could be. I'm just throwing out this possibility. In order to further uh, uh, get us involved in this particular problem. Uh, I want you to look at the Nitziv. See this, the whole thing is the commentary of the Nitziv. In the Chumash of these Psukim, on Pasuk Yudalit, right, Vatem Lokein Natan Hashem By the way, the question that people ask about whether the Ma'oninim and the Kosmin could really do it, like, were they, were they for real? Or were they just uh, charlatans? Could they really predict the future? Or were they simply there to put it over on us? So look at what the, uh, what the Hanech Dabar says. It says, Lefi devareni, devareni, bimashma'ut tamim tiyeh. He says, as we have explained previously, in the previous pasuk, uh, the meaning of the word tamim, tiyeh, leilech betach beton, to go with full, uh, with a feeling of security. But you go along and you know that God is taking care of things. Then Cain, in Cain, mazot mimut shenachkor bin hanavi atidot. If that is true, what I said, that tamim means you should feel secure about what you're doing and the world and everything will work out. So what is this pasuk talking about which is, indicates uh, that tmimut means that we should ask the navi but not the ma'onein and the kosein. Aval yesh ladat, he says, 
דאבר גם דאמיכות האדם בעולמו של עצמו, יש להיות תמים עם השם, he makes a distinction, and he says, a person, every person, should be tamim im Hashem, which means that you have confidence that the world is being run properly because God is running the world. Tamim im Hashem. Velo lachkor atidot. And that individual should not go around trying to find out what's going to happen. What's the next thing that's going to happen? And this is what Bil'am said when he said, that there are no soothsayers in Yaakov because they were tamim. They believed that the world was as it should be. And this is the part that I, that I find really remarkable. Nevertheless, the Nitziv says, Bizman milchama, in the time of war, the ain etzabrura, and you don't know what you should do. Should you stay put and hope the war will pass you by, or should you run away to a quieter place? Harehu sakadat fashot. After all, it's a matter of life and death. Yesh lachkor v'ladaat. In such a case, it is permissible to try to find out about the future. So again, what does it seem to say? That the opposition that the Torah has to, uh, to asking the diviners what's going to be that's on a personal level. Now, personally, I'm supposed to accept the idea that the world is as it should be. But if there is a tremendous danger that might affect the entire people of Israel, for example, then it's reasonable. It's reasonable to look to, to look to a, a, a uh, uh, it's a varehu sakarat nefashot, the first wide line, yesh lachkor Then it makes sense that everybody want to know what's going to be. V'zehu ta'amoshel sha'ul ha'melech ha'tzadik. And this explains how it is that sha'ul ha'melech, the first king of Israel, who was a tzadik, a righteous person, in other words, he, he certainly agreed with me that it seems said. Therefore, Shishal Ba'ov, he, he, um, he asked the question of the witch of Endor. You remember that story? Well, he did it. Sharei b'feirush dibra Torah ki ata lokei navim mikerbecha b'chulei. Mevohar, because it's called in the psukim there, mevohar shebizman she'ein navi. In a time when there is no Navi to ask and there is no Ephod, there's no breastplate to check with, it becomes necessary to ask even a witch. And he was 
punished for that k'nechti b'divra yamim v'gam l'shol ba'ov l'drosh hayinu b'shum shehu garam l'zeh. So the Nitziv makes this distinction. He says, personally, you shouldn't ask, but nationally, sometimes the issue is so great that you have to find out what the future holds in store, and you have to ask the diviners. That's what, and that's how he explains what Shaul HaMelech did. There were no prophets at that time, and there was no ephod to check with, so he went to the uh, witch of Endor. He went to the witch, even though he himself, he himself, Shaul HaMelech, wiped out the witches in, in Israel. And he had to go to one to find one to ask the question of what is going to be. So according to the according to the Nitziv, what is interesting is, I think, that these witches or these people who are called in the Torah Ma'unanim and Kosmin, these people have real power. Uh, no one ever said, no one in the Torah said, don't go there because they have no power. Don't go there because they don't know what they're talking about. This is according to Nitzim, the Torah says, don't go there, or the Rashi, <coughs> don't go there because you have, you have Nivi'im. You have an Eifod, the Kohen Gadol. You have a better option. But the thief comes along and says, if some crazy reason that better option disappears, then you go to the, to the lesser option, if it's a, uh, something based on national security and enterprise. So we find out from looking at this pasuk and sort of like thinking about the Nitziv, that the Torah is talking about something real. That, that the fact that, that a, a, a non-Jew can have the power to give a bracha or have the power to state a klala. These things, these things seem to be true. And the Torah wants us to recognize that the Navi is greater access to God than the Ma'onein and the Mechashev. Okay, and the Kosei. So now let's go to the beginning of the Parsha of Bilam. And we'll try to, to figure it out. So, so, okay, so Rashi explains Rashi. Uh, Rashi says, Amar, There were these two kings, and we were certain about them. Lo Amdub, if they had. These two kings, Sichon and Og, they, they, they just folded up. Anu, Alachat Kama Vakama. We're so small and insignificant, we certainly will not be able to stand up before them. They were afraid. So, so when you're reading this Pasuk, when you read this Pasuk about Balak, right? Where, and he's, was he right or was he wrong? Was he right to be nervous? He was right. He didn't do anything wrong. He looked around. They came and they reported to him. 
that, that the kings of the Amori were destroyed by the Israelis, so he was a little nervous about it. Because to get to Eretz Kedan, you had to go through the land, had to go through the land of, of uh, Moab. The second pasuk Gimel says, "Vayago Moab Israel." So that's it. They were afraid. They were really afraid that they looked like they were a warlike group coming out of the desert, killing everybody in its way. Right? Pasuk Dalit. Moab So the Moabites tried to get the Midianites involved. Ata, he said, now what's going to happen? They're going to trample us. Like the oxen trample the, 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 the vegetables growing in the, in the field. Balak was the king, uh, the king of Israel. Okay? Rashi points out, they hated each other, the Moabites and the Midianites. The Midianites took a stand against the Moabites in war. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Like that kind of thing. So there was the greater enemy. The greater enemy was Israel. Right? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, okay, they're, they're not enemies, but how come they're giving advice and accepting advice? They saw that the Jews were winning in battle, and this was something that was uh, not regular. We're going to find out what, what they have, these Jews. So they said, the Jews, they know how to talk. So we're going to go and fight against them with a person who knows how to talk. That was Bilam, Kocho Befiv. It's a great idea, right? It's a great idea. Okay, so we'll go to the next Pasuk. Pasuk Hei. He sent messengers, emissaries, to Bilam, Pitora, Asher al-Nahar, Eretz Bnei Amodi Lemor. They sent him, he lived in that place called Pitora. Lemor, and this is what they said. So they told him the story. Why they were afraid of, uh, of B'nai Yisrael? Why they were afraid? Go and curse them. We can't fight them any other way. Maybe then, if you curse them, I will be able to beat them and I'll drive them away. Rashi says, if you look at the Rashi, 
שעזרתו להכות את מואב. I knew from that war somehow that they would be able to help me do away with Moab. So now, Pasuk, this is a very important Pasuk, Pasuk Zayin. Vayelchu ziknei Moab ziknei midyan uksamim biyadam. What does that mean, uksamim biyadam? What is uksamim biyadam? Sounds like they also have some kind of magical... They what? Like they also have some kind of magical equipment. You know the Ksamim for them? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Who are the Ksamim for? They're hired to help. They're what? The Ksamim that they hired. Ksamim are... Uh, what are Ksamim? Magical apparatus. Yeah, good. Magical apparatus. It's things. Things that you use in magic. So whose things were they? This came but why did they bring them with them? Why did they bring them? So Rashi says, you see, it's the next to the last narrow line in the Rashi. Uksamim biadam. Kol uksamim. They brought all kinds of stuff, of apparatus. Shaloyomar, tashmishi imi that Bilam would not be able to say, I don't have my stuff with me. I left it on a job, you know, elsewhere, and therefore I can't curse. So they would say, oh, here we just brought you more stuff which you could use. And he says, That's one peyush. They took this magic with them. And what was the magic? Amru, im imanu mamash. If he comes with us right now, then there's something to him. That if he tells us that he doesn't want to come with us, then there's no point. He can't do anything. When, when Bilam later on says, why don't you just stay over the night? Amru, Ein Botikva, they said, he's not going to help us. This is hopeless. Elichu velchulahem. They let him be, and they went. Shene'amar ve'yeshevu sarei mo'abim bil'ab. Avozikne minyan, bidyan alchulahem. So Rashi tells another story. Rashi tells another story. But I think that from Rashi and the Pasuk, we understand one thing that they were not confident 100% that he would go for it. They were not really confident that, uh, that Bil'am would agree to the deal that they suggested. And so, and so since they weren't confident, one second. Again, Pasuk Zayin, by Yechuzik Neymo Av, Vizik Neymidyan, they told him why they're here. And Bil'am answered them. So Bil'am knew that this was not within his regular, the regular charge that he received from God. When God said, you're a prophet and you could do things, but cursing B'nai Yisrael was not one of those things. So, so, uh, so uh, Bilam says, 
Bilam says, listen, uh, stay over, I'll talk to God. I'll talk to the boss. Maybe there's some leniency here. Maybe there's some way to get around it. So, uh, sorry, this was totally unbelievable. Okay, you say about God, that's a way that God enters into a conversation. Of course, God knows who the Anashim Ha'elimach are. But God says, in any event, he says, who are these people? Who are these people who are with you? So the Bilam repeats the argument. He repeats the argument that there's an ever-present danger to the people of Midian. The people of Moab and the people of Midian, and the question, of course, is what is what is the question and what's the answer? I mean, if Bilam Bilam knew that he could not curse B'nai Israel without divine approval, and there was no divine approval, so what is, what is the importance of this whole story, right? In a pasuk so they went back to Balak and they say, Bilam refuses. So there was this assumption, there was this assumption that Bilam wanted kavod, right? He wanted kavod. And so he sent him more officers greater and, and more honored. So Balak sent again. I mean, you know, when a king comes and sends you a request twice, it's very hard to say no. He gives me all the gold and silver in the world. That's what he says. He says, I can't do anything. I can't do anything that is that God doesn't allow me to do. So stay over tonight again, he says to them. Stay over another night and I'll tell you what God says. And God said to Bill on that night, and said to him, If they came to call you, then get up and go with them. Nevertheless, al against your better intention. Whatever I tell you to say, that's what you're going to say. 
ואף על פי כן, וילך בלעם. אמר שמא עפר, תנו ויתרצה. He says, nevertheless, בלעם went, אמר, he said, שמא עפתנו ויתרצה. Maybe I'll convince God, and he will agree to what I, to what I say. Okay, in order to explain all of this, <coughs> I want to make a distinction. While it is true, I think it's correct, that we, even if we were prophets, or Bilam, there's something that you cannot do, and there's something else that you can do. What you cannot do is tell God what to do. But what you can do is argue with God about justice. Because Avram Avinu already proved, Avram Avinu already proved that this is, uh, this is my opinion, that the Ta'ana, that you say, yes, that what Avram Avinu said in Stone, you remember Stone? Avram Avinu said, what are there 50 righteous people, there are 40 righteous people, there are 30 righteous people, it seems so childish. The argument and God kept saying, yeah, okay, 50, I'll let them, I'll let them live, I'll let the 40 live, etc. So what is it, what is it that Avram Avinu <coughs> was doing that was so successful? Why was Avram Avinu successful? Avram Avinu was successful because he said, he said to Akadosh Baruch if my job is to spread the truth, about the relationship between God and the world. I have to be able to understand how what God does is just. If I cannot argue that what God does is just, then I can't convince anybody. If the people are going to come to me and say, stone, all the people were killed for no reason at all. Not all of them were that way. Only some of them, some of them were that way. So that's what, that's what Avram, Avram Vidu said to HaKadosh Baruch and HaKadosh Baruch accepted it, right? If Moshe Rabbeinu went to HaKadosh Baruch it says, if you kill all the people who were guilty in the Chet HaEgel, then the rest of the world will say that God was incapable of, of, of uh, producing the necessary result, bringing them to Eretz Kinaan, and therefore that would be a setback in history. <coughs> Moshe Rabbeinu could say that. You can say that to God. You can say that to God because Moshe Rabbeinu was in charge, not only of bringing the Jewish people to Eretz Kinaan, but he was in charge of making sure that people under people in the world understood a little bit better that God was in control of things in the world, like the Navi that the that the Pasuk talks about according to Rashi. So there are things that you cannot do and there are things that you can do. And the things that you can do sometimes seem to be overwhelmingly powerful, even greater than the things that you can't do. So if the, 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 the elders of the Moabites and the Midianites came to, came to Bilam 
uksamim biyadav. And they said, we know you might not want to do this, but we think you have the power to control the divine. And we bring you ksamim, extra, uh, incidental, ksamim that you could use in order to produce that kind of control. And what we want is to weaken the Jewish people to the point where they will not be a danger to us as they move in the direction of Eretz Kena'an. That position is untenable. That position is untenable. It cannot be accepted. It cannot be used. But the second time, the second time they came, uh, etc. So, so there is no mention of the fact that they came with Samim. But they came with an argument. And the argument was that they were in a different, that the, the, the people were in a difficult position, the Midianites. And that they were afraid of the Jews who were coming and had destroyed Sichon and Og and were now coming into their, into their territory. Ki I can't take a stand against God. But I can make an argument. I can make an argument that after all, the Midianites, there's no reason. There's no reason. They're not like the Amalekites who took a stand against Yitziat Mitzrayim. They're not like Sichon and Og who didn't want to allow the people to go through their territory to get to Eretz Canaan. There's no reason for them to be punished. That Bilam could do. That Bilam could do. And the question is that Bilam would have to say something. They'd have to say, and therefore, you should slow them down. There should be some sort of a curse that would make enfeeble them and make it difficult for the Jewish people to continue against the Midianites. That I could do. So the distinction, the distinction there between knowing something, right, and, and being able to change God's will somehow is the issue in the parasha of Bilam. And that issue in the parasha of Bilam is repeated again at the end of the Torah in the parasha of Shaftim, as we saw, where the Torah talks about ma'oninim v'kosmim. And the kosmim is the same word that's used here in the story of Bilam to explain what the people wanted Bilam to do the first time around, but which then they realized that he wasn't going to do. And they hoped that nevertheless he could produce an argument which would justify their position and slow down the Jews, make it difficult for the Jews to trample their territory, right? You imagine a, a horde of people going in a certain direction could, he, could lead, lead to trampling, tra trampling the... Uh, so that Maoninim and Kosvim, it seems, Maoninim and Kosvim, the Posikar, are real people who have real ability, real ability to figure out what's going to be. And, and the Torah tells us that we shouldn't go that way. 
because we have in the Viyim and the Eifod. We have prophets and we have the Kohen Gadol who can tell us things about the future. But on the individual level, the Nitziv says, Tamim Tiyem Hashem Elkecho reflects a kind of a, a spiritual tour de force that somehow through Tmimut, through accepting the world as it is, we can be closer, we can be closer to God. Uh, I mean, everybody has examples. Let's say, not be in favor of this idea or against this idea. I would, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. But it's something, uh, I think, to think about. You know, spiritual achievement is always something to think about. Uh, is it real? And if it's real, what are the agents that might move us in that real direction? So the story of Bilam, the story of Bilam is a story which, uh, which tries to define, I think, you know, what Bilam was, what his actually, actual power was. And Balak was smart enough to realize that in sending the Ksamim, he had made a mistake. That's not who Bilam was, and that's not what he was prepared to do. So the second time around, he asks Bilam, the second time around, he asks Bilam to, uh, to just justify him, to defend his position, which is that the Jews are going to overrun his territory and leave everything to shambles. And that Bilam thought he could do. He could make the argument with HaKadosh Bokhu because in the past, prophecy was able to make an argument that HaKadosh Bokhu accepted, which means that, it doesn't mean that God was enlightened by the argument, but it means that God was happy that the argument was being made. And there's, a, there's sort of a difference between those two things. Okay. Have a good chance.